This is Adam Tafel, and you're listening to The Success Recipe. What is up, beautiful people, and welcome again to another episode of The Success Recipe. Sorry if my voice sounds a little off, I am recovering from the flu, but it is Friday and I'm ready to just kick back and relax and enjoy the weather. It's starting to look a little bit nicer outside, so hopefully the temperature picks up and I can fully recover before I do a couple more interviews and start working again. I hope you guys are ready for today's episode. This guy is absolute energy. Uh, He is originally from New Zealand, Samoan-born Kiwi, and he has been making waves in Hollywood for the past 15 plus years. Without even knowing it, you've probably seen him as a bad villain henchman in probably every major action movie from the Equalizer, Equalizer 2, he played the older version of Fire Fist in Deadpool 2. His biggest role, which kick-started this whole journey for him, was playing Sauron on Lord of the Rings, and from there he basically moved himself all the way over to the States to continue his dream. The cool thing about this episode is that I did not expect to get as much content as I did. We covered things from culture to Sala's journey of success to his ideas of success and we also touched on some key values such as gratitude and and we also covered some slightly more serious matters as well such as mental health which is is quite a prevalent issue right now at least in New Zealand so definitely listen to this whole podcast it's it's a little bit longer but the gems the amount of information and knowledge shared in this episode is unreal so you're going to have a really good time listening so sit back relax chill out and i hope you guys enjoy this one because i certainly enjoyed having the chat with salah so i hope you guys are ready enjoy hey bro how's it going good how you doing yeah not too bad thanks for uh agreeing to uh have a little bit of a chat bro appreciate you taking the time of course of course yeah um yeah uh what do you want to know i mean like what what, where would you want to start like uh yeah so i mean that the the best thing or the the very first thing that i get people to tell me about is if they're open to it just explain a little bit about their background so where they've come from you know real basic so they can kind of give us perspective and and set the tone for where you came from and how you heard it Perfect. Um, born and raised in Porirua, mm-hmm. uh, Rano Heights. Um, we're um, one of nine boys and two girls, Samoan family. Um, raised in obviously church, typical Christian church. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, big, big family, nine boys, two girls. Um, and I'm a, you know, I'm a twin. Um, very strict family, typical Samoan family. You know, you get, you get your uh, your dealings too. Um, yep. You know, <laughs> You're uh, you're disciplined. You're disciplined the way you the old the old school way. Um, but I guess a lot of the things 
that have contributed to the future um, and in my journey have come from uh, church. And I didn't realize that being in being an artist, um, you know, always, you know, music and church and singing. Uh, I then turned and you know we were in the choir with mm. my dad. Choir practice, you know, four times a week plus church. You know, we pretty pretty much lived up there. But I guess that whole teaching system and what my mother and father had us. You know, Sunday school at five, you know. I mean, you know, bro, we were at church at White Sunday with our shirt, you know, everything, the white shirt, the ear lover lover, tie, mm. you know, you had the vest. You I mean, we were dressed as like pimps at five years old, you know. <laughs> we were very well dressed at five. So for us, um, our island community, Samoan community, you ha- you were always looking good. You, you were raised to be presentable and my father and mother were always like if you're going to go outside you better look good look mm. presentable people will you know always look at you and think otherwise because of just the way we look yeah you know it's like in america here the majority is african-american mexican and other which is you know middle eastern and all the other um you know tri- uh, uh, cultures that are here um but in new zealand it's you know pacific island and so um, with the whole upbringing of church um, and always, you know, doing the old video mecca, which is um, the guys would basically, these video store would come around in a van and this van would come around and, and you would basically you would open up. His name was Omeka and they would drive up in our little um, dead end and they would open the back of their van. They would have this um the elastic piece in the back that was holding all the different movies from like no retreat no surrender into the dragon you know all the old school movies yeah and so, and so you could basically go oh i'll take seven movies or ten movies for like three dollars or like nine dollars so we started watching like our first movies were into the dragon uh no retreat no surrender um uh, fist of fury and Black Eagle. I mean, you know, and then we started watching all the Jackie Chan's, the, you know, Rumble in the Jungle. And yep. so all this whole movie thing, kind of plus church and plus the whole, you know, doing the plays on stage mm. and all these learning the lines of the church and Jesus and all these characters you had to play in these plays, kind of, I think attributed to me wanting to be an artist because I was a singer, I was a saxophone player. Mm. I, I was doing theatre at church. We were singing and we were we were doing concerts. We were travelling around the country doing church concerts, competing at other churches. It was like there was a there was a system that we were always in, mm. you know. And th- like with a big family like that, you got to have some sort of system. Yeah. Otherwise, the family can fall apart. But most of my dad was such a a, re- a very very. Um, strict man because my grandfather was in World War One. Mm. He raised independence like Samoa in 62 and he wrote the Governor General. So they didn't like that, but because he spoke other languages, he spoke nine languages. Anyway, the thing was is that it was a strict household. Mm. So all these things plus church, plus um, music, plus saxophone, all these things, basically I was like, well, then I had the opportunity while I was working, doing all this stuff, I was working in, um, I was, Late teens, 16, 
14, 15, 16, I started working uh, part-time yeah. in a clothing store, Q Rights. And basically, once I got out of that, in doing that, they were doing auditions in Wellington for Lord of the Rings. Mm. My buddy Stephen was like, dude, we need to go, or we need to go freaking check out this Lord of the Rings thing. I was like, what the hell is that? I had no idea because I was a Dungeons and Dragons geek. <laughs> and I was a Trekkie. And I had the little thing. We had the blue shirt, the zips. I was with all my nerd friends and our Trekkies and our Dungeons and Dragons. So then when he was like, Lord of the Rings, I was like, I didn't know what that is, bro. So then he convinced me four hours to go. I was like, bruh. It was Saturday, you know, it was rugby day. We just finished playing rugby. We just wanted to have a drink. And he was like, nah, man, let's go this audition. So we went and auditioned as an extra. Finally, four hours later, I went. And then basically going to audition. They go, oh, you're big. Because they're looking for Polynesians over six foot to play these characters called the Urukai. You know, six foot and over big guys. They put these prosthetics on big characters with a mask on. Went in and auditioned. And basically, I got in as an extra. We got into the next next stage and then the next stage, and they were like, Well, why don't you try it for the stunt team? And I was like, Oh, so I tried it for the stunt team, and it was a six hour audition. You do fitness for two hours, you climb the top of this, you know, you do all sorts of things. You put fights together, you you uh, you jump off the top of the off the roof onto some mats. So you got to go through all these different types of things in terms of stunts. Yeah. Um, and then when I did that, um, I went and you had to put a fight together in front of everyone. And I was doing great up until this time. I was fitness was fine. I was young. I was like 22. Like I was badass. Put this fight together, and, and you had five minutes to put it together. So I put it together with a guy. And when we went to show and tell, my guy hits me in the face. And to me, I'm like, I don't give a shit. Just keep going. Yeah. So like, oh, you all right, bro? I was like, I'm fine. Just keep going, man. Just keep yourself going. <laughs> but your nose is bleeding. I'm like, just keep going, bro. And then he was like, oh, oh, oh. And the guys were like, oh, no, that's okay, guys. No, that was fine. That was good. Good work, guys. And I was like, oh, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. This guy messed up my chances. I'm done. Yeah. So I leave, and I'm like, man, this is poo. I was working as a bouncer in town on the door. And then the Saturday night, this was a Thursday, Saturday night, um, about eight of them, ten of them come in to get drunk at my bar. It's called Opera. And I was, in, I was a bouncer at Opera on uh, Courtney Place. And they all come in, I'm like, oh! And this is one guy that was really, really nice to me. And he was Samoan, his name was Andy Stelling. And he's now in the new uh, X-Men movie. He's the Samoan guy with the braids in his hair. Oh, so, so crazy story. So he, he had shaved head and he basically said to me, he was like, really, he was like, don't worry, bro, you did an awesome job. And I was like, man, the guy messed it up for me. And he was like, well, you'll be all right, bro. And I was like, no, nah, nah, man, oh, my chances are bad. And he was like, you'll be all right. They go in, they have some drinks, they come, you know, and the Andy comes back out and you start talking. And I was like, oh, come on, bro, come on, come on, bro. What's my chances? Come on, bro. And he was like, mm, oh, bro, you'll be all right. And I go, come on, bro. He was like, Okay, you can't tell anyone. I was like, what? Tell anyone what? He's like, oh, you made it, bro. I was like, what? What the? What? What the? He was like, you made it, bro. Did you tell anyone, bro, you're in? You're in? And I was like, what the? What do you mean? He was like, yeah, you made it. I was like, oh, man. So then I went inside and I got 
every single one of them smashed drunk. <laughs> they couldn't even walk out of there. They were so like, ah. I got so drunk because I knew I had a job. I was going to be a stuntman on Lord of the Rings. Yeah. And then when I go to the set, I find out next week they only pick one person out of 150 odd people. And then they go to a martial arts school and get the other five people because they needed six. Yeah. But I think it was only because I didn't want to stop. Mm. You know, the key is to keep going, keep going, you know. And I guess that's what got me in and my willingness to just, you know. And so I basically did that and worked. I made the team. We went to Queenstown. We started working on Lord of the Rings and I was on it for 19 months full time. Damn. And then in doing that, they were like, they're looking for a new Sauron. They need to replace. I was like, I'll do it. And they were like, ah, you're too big. You're too fat. You're not going to fit the suit. And then Bob Anderson, our swordmaster, who trained Errol Flynn, who got a gold medal in the Olympics in New Zealand in 1976. He did, you know, he stunt double for Sean Connery and the Highlander on top of the roof, you know, on the mountain. And he's doing that sword stuff, you know, that wide helicopter shot. And he was like, Sally, you're great, but you're just too big for the suit. Next thing you know, I find out the next day that they recast it and they want me as the new Sauron, the Dark Lord, the Lord of the Rings. And I'm like, what? They call me at midnight, bro. They call me at midnight and say, hey, can you come in at four in the morning? And I was like, that's in four hours. And they were like, yeah, well, we need to do a refitting for Sauron. And I was like, you already have one. And they go, oh, well, you're the new one. And I go, what? That's crazy. So then I find out I am the Lord of the Rings. I'm like, what just happened? And, and so all these events start unfolding. Mm. And basically, after a while, I say, I'm like, I need to go to Los Angeles. I need to go to Los Angeles. Mm. And so one of the producers from Lord of the Rings was like, Salah, what, he's Michael Desky. He was like, well, what do you want to do? And I was like, I want to act. I want to act. And I, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know, I think about going to America. And he was like, well, in my mind, I believe your talent is wasted here because there's too many people who look like you who are talented like you. Mm. There's not many people who sound like you, who look like you, who are in Los Angeles. Mm. And so basically I sold everything and packed up everything and went over to LA with like $2,000. In order to get my visa, I worked at Telecom uh, doing cell phones and one of my clients Terry who owned a tip in the gorge mm. He basically said he came in and I used to do a bunch of deals for him with cell phones. And I said Terry I need you to do me a favor. He's like what? I said I need you to write me a check for nine thousand dollars and Give it to me and he was like what the hell for? I says don't worry about it <laughs> He goes don't worry about it. You'll get it back today. You, you, you don't even have to spend it. He's like what? I said, what you're going to do is you're going to give me that check. I'm going to put it into my account. I'm going to bank it into my account. And then I'm going to take a balance immediately. And then you're going to cancel it in two hours. So the money never actually went in. Yeah. But now I've got a legend balance saying I've got $9,000. So, so when you go to the embassy, you say, oh, yeah, no, I've got enough money to last me to get there and back just in case. But I only had $2,000. Yeah. So I sold golf clubs. I sold my car. So everything I ended up with like $2,000. So I hustled, so basically, um, no, this is what happened. I basically saved everything. And then what happened was 
New Line was like, we're going to fly you over to do Comic-Con. And I was like, what the hell is Comic-Con? It was the biggest convention in the world. It happens in San Diego. Yeah. I mean, you've been. Yeah. Um, and so basically they fly me over there. They fly me over there to sign, sign autographs for Sauron, Lord of the Rings. And I go over there and I sign autographs. Like I sign a dollar a signature. And, and to me, I was like, that's a lot of money. And we signed 200 signatures. So I was like, oh, we got 200 US bucks, dude. What can we do? We go spend, yeah, get a fee. Mm. Little did we know that was not very much money. <laughs> and, and then after a while, during that whole thing, I met, I met a guy who was a convention, uh, a couple guys that did conventions. And they said that we want to be your agent to sign autographs. And I was like, these guys have given me $1 a signature. And they both laughed at me. They're like, $1? What about $25? And I was like, what did you say? And, and accommodation and flights and we'll fly all over the world. And I was like, what's your name again? And then he became my agent. He got me a visa. He became my um, dependent in America. And I just started to hustle my way um, through Los Angeles, meeting people, jumping around, following people to auditions on Hollywood. I, because I didn't know where auditions were, I would mm. literally walk out on Hollywood Boulevard and just stare around and look. Oh, oh, there's an actor who's got a little sheet in his hand and they're walking. So I would just go follow these people to auditions and then just bum rush these auditions, sign my name and be like, I'm here to audition. I would never ever get any of them. Mm. But I still would just, I would just keep going. Because it would be like, who the hell is this guy just turning up to auditions? Um, and then, when I met a bunch of stunt guys, I started realizing that they go jump and try and um, like sneak onto set to get resumes to give to security, to give to the stunt coordinator, to get jobs. And I was like, oh, interesting. So then we started doing that. Plus I was walking around in Hollywood with headshots and I didn't have much money. My money started to dwindle down. So I only had like 60 bucks and I would make 60 bucks last nine months because I would take $22 and go to the 99 cent store buy a hundred packets of ramen noodles and have a packet a day with water and some spices. Walking around Hollywood with a backpack with 500 resumes stapled in the back of each other and a headshot, just handing out stuff. And then meeting stunt guys and then I actually ended up meeting some people from Lord of the Rings that came over as little stunt coordinators and then I ended up catching up with them and then, hey, come over and hang out. Go to a bar, hangout session and then ended up basically working on Pirates of the Caribbean because of the same coordinator from Lord of the Rings. Mm. So we did it country so basically from there I slowly started to figure out my way through and then as an actor as a stuntman I would say to the guys hey do me a favor and send me in to audition with the actors mm. not just the stunt guys yeah because if you send me in over there and I get there then I can do the stunts so mm. it'll look cool so because I never really wanted to do stunts I just thought that was my way to get in but when I did it, I was like, this is blooming hilarious. I get to beat up all of Hollywood and have fun and still do a little bit of acting here and there. Yeah. And so that was kind of, that turned in my thing. I was like this action actor who was sort of slowly starting to work my way through Hollywood. Mm. In, the, in the early days, it was basically how my buddy used to do it as a stunt coordinator. He would be like, hey, bro, are you around? You want to come and do a pre-vis for me, which is a pre-visualization, pre-visualization. Mm of the actual scene that the director wants you to do. So he was like, okay, these two guys that fight in this bar and they end up outside and they do this thing. So we would rehearse it and have me do it with him and we would shoot it. And they'd be like, oh, that's dope. Why don't we just use that guy? 
That's pretty awesome. awesome. So that was our kind of plan to just like basically shoot these little fights, vignettes, to show mm -hmm. the directors and be like, oh, he's dope. Why don't we just have Salah fight Russell Crowe? Why don't we have Salah fight Denzel? Why don't we have Salah fight Lauren Cohan or Jennifer Garner or anyone? John Voigt, like all these people I've worked with over the years. Jason Momoa, five movies with The Rock, two mm -hmm. movies with Two movies with uh, uh, Denzel, two movies with Jason, I mean, uh, Jamie Foxx, like constantly hustling my way to mm. because people started to see it. There was this big island guy that could move just as fast and agile as the other guys and can do a little bit of acting. So they could get a bit of a two for one or three for one. You know, I was a triple threat. Mm. Um, so that was kind of like how I slowly just started to get my way around it and then. When people started to see me do my stuff, they were like, dude, this guy is crazy. Mm. Then I started being nominated for Best Fight for The Kingdom with Jennifer Garner and Jamie Foxx. Mm. Um, I got nominated for that movie for Best Fight because it was with me and Jennifer Garner and it was amazing. We didn't win because 300 won for Best Fight. And then I was nominated again for another Peter Berg movie mm. with Jamie Foxx and, and, uh, in um, Sleepless. Yeah. Sorry, no, no. I did that also, but actually, my fight, best fight was nominated for Mile 22, which was oh. Lauren Cohen and Mark Wahlberg. So, basically, getting around and people started seeing that, oh, this guy is a villain and has is a henchman in pretty much every big movie. And I think a lot of that attributed to my dad being such a strict Samoan person. We go to church, and I think that routine of like, and my dad was a neat freak. Nine boys, girls, this house had to be spotless. Yeah. With that many kids, I was like, and that's why I'm a neat freak. Mm. You know, that's why I'm a neat freak too, because I'm like, man, we had to be like that way all the all the time. Mm. That was that was. And I think with the church, with the youth group, with the concerts, with the on stage and, and you know, and going full circle to doing MTV with The Rock, mm. opening the MTV movie awards. Yeah. Culture, half Samoan and half black, having 20 steppers that I put together for Dwayne and MTV and did his Siva Tau from my cousin in New Zealand, Tupe, who mm. did the Siva and sent it to me so we could I could teach so these guys and show his culture on the biggest stage. Yeah, that was, I, I saw that and that just looked amazing. Like, what was the general feel and reaction over there? Oh. The American public and everybody associated with the. I mean, Let's be honest, he's our king. Yeah. I mean, he, if there's one person who's going to lead us, the world, and, any, and everyone, is that guy. Mm. You know, humble, real, straight to the point. There's no, there's no lying who he is. Yes. He's, he's there to lift everyone up. He's there to take whoever with me who wants to go. He's, you know, he, it was electrifying, bro, to see these two cultures of African-American and Samoan come together on the biggest stage and for him to be nominated for the Generation Award. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah. That's huge. Um, and so he loves it. And the fact that he's posted like 12 or 13 posts about it, he never does that about anything, even his movies. Yeah, I yeah, know. Which shows how, and I had all the Island Boys on stage. I had three Maoris. Xavier yeah. Horn's nephews came in from Utah with a Samoan kid. I had Hawaiians, I had French Polynesians, I had Tongans, I had Samoans, I had Crips, and I had Bloods on the same stage. Yeah. 
Mm. What sort of impact socially do you think that something like that could have in America, especially with two, what, you know, they'd consider minority, um, you know, ethnicities up on that stage and with someone like Dwayne, his stature and especially the message that he, that he sort of, mm. with well, something a quote that he said he's, he's held, it's basically part of his DNA where it's, it's nice to be important, but more important to be nice. Like what kind of impact do you think that could have on a culture and society like America? Uh, it's a thing that, that is, is a part of our culture um, in the Polynesian world, but we get a little lost in it. Um, unfortunately, in New Zealand, it hits it a lot because we like to make fun of each other and we think it's funny. Yeah. But we don't know how deep those roots actually go into our hearts and souls of our people, mm. which is sad to see that our people start taking our own lives. And that is not a normal thing for us. Yeah. So it's hard to see that, but like we need to change that narrative of making fun of each other, the tall poppy syndrome. They're like, let's cut him down. Like even my own friends in New Zealand were like, Salah thinks he's the shit because he's in Hollywood. And it's like, whoa, wait, I'm doing this for us. Yeah. Like, this is not just for me. Mm. And so that's what I want to change. It's making me emotional. It's like, that's what I want to change because all the best stuff is coming out of New Zealand in terms of Polynesian film and television, right? Mm. This stuff starting to come around here, but we need to be more loving towards each other and uplifting like Dwayne, who mm. makes it all about, like, it's not, a, it's not more important to be important. Like, it's more important to be nice. Yeah. Because that's what makes you important. It's like, well, no, he's, even though he seems untouchable, mm. he's, still, he's still a human being that can, that can come to our level. Mm. That can be like, yo. And I st I've worked five movies with him. Mm. And that guy is, it's amazing. Like, yeah. he, he is who we need because everyone else is dividing us mm. and he can bring us together without ego. Yeah. And to kind of touch on a couple of things you just mentioned, like, you know, the tall poppy syndrome, especially in New Zealand, like living in the States for five years myself, you know, as a young Samoan, one, a man and two Samoan, I never really learned to communicate feelings. You know, it's easy to bottle up or, you know, yeah, traditional New Zealand culture, but spending time over in the States, I was able to kind of find myself in a way of communicating and expressing and actually knowing that it's healthy. And, you know, as you said, yeah. having it eat away at people on the inside, um, it, it's not good. And that's like, something that we'd like to express through this podcast too. It's like they think mental health is a, is a joke or it's mm -hmm. like, that's not real. That's stupid. You just get over it, bro. Just get your, get over it. And it's like, no, it, 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 it's deeper than that. Yeah. It's no it's longer like, taboo. It's real. And it exists. I mean, look at, we got our own people taking our own lives, man. I know. Like what, like, what is that? Like, it's, it's unbelievable because we're the happy people of the Pacific, but why are we, why can't we even express ourselves anymore? Because, yeah. Like, 
just because we're big, it doesn't mean we're big inside. Mm. You know? Yeah. It's like, and it makes me emotional because, because it's where I'm from. Yeah. And, and it's like, when I left and I came here, people loved me for no freaking reason. Mm. Even though it was fake, they were like, I love you, man. You're awesome. And I was like, these people don't even know me. Yeah. So you don't know me. How do you love me? <laughs> they want to be my best friend. Mm. And I just met them. I'm like, I can't even understand that. And back home, it's like, well, what do you want? Yeah. Don't look at me, bro. I'm smashing. I'm like, oh, bro, I was just saying hi. Yeah. <laughs> That's, that's the other thing as well. Like you touched on, you know, Dwayne appearing untouchable, but you know, he's the most humble down to earth person. And, you know, me meeting you and Tanawai, for example, you guys are, I guess, what other Polynesians want to be, where you guys are, are just really humble. You're, you, you've come from, obviously, the story you're telling us today, but, you know, you've created your own path and you've learned to express and, and be a positive role model. And with the status that you have now, people like Tanawai and Dwayne, you don't change. Your humility and everything stays the same. And, and that's what people need to realize. And I think that's, that's what makes your story authentic as well. Like you haven't changed. You were Salah 20 years ago. You're still Salah now. You know, Tanawai's a family man. Always been a family man. The level of... of I guess exposure you guys get doesn't change who you are and, and that's something that not a lot of Polynesians would expect or maybe people would portray Polynesians as but I mean you guys are flying that flag and that's that's amazing to get that message out there yeah I mean it's like it's funny because like my dad we never used to go to the shop to buy anything like unless it was toilet paper or like soap we used to take my dad used to take the net out you know at three in the morning at Titahi Bay, he used to take the fishing net out. And we used to drag it out. Someone would stand at the, at the, at the beach with the pole. Mm. All the other nine boys and two, and, and dad and two girls would walk the net out straight. And then we would bow it. It would take about an hour and a half. And then we'd walk in and get all our fish, flounder, and seafood. We'd go to a pig farm, catch a pig, kill it, gut it, take it home, apple picking, berry picking farm. My dad would put eels in the eel traps in the river, would get eels, and that's how we would, you know, and then we had a four-tier garden that my dad had built. Mm. That was how we lived. And so I think the hustle and the grind comes from that. And then when I first came to LA, I met Tanawai. Yeah. And I was like, who the hell is this guy? And then that, at that time, him and I, and maybe one other, were the only three Samoans in the stunt industry in America. Yeah. It was crazy. I was 22, 20, 23. He was, he was uh, 23, 20, 20, 24, something like that. Mm. We met and it was like, Sully, what the hell? And at that time I was big and we were both big and it was like these two big monsters going out, hanging out. And then, so because I knew him, you know, he knows everybody. And the thing was, he came from Hawaii in the same year I did, mm. 2000, 2000, 2001, I think he came 2000. I was like 99, 2000. Mm. We met and it was just crazy. And then we started hanging out and hanging out with his whole family and met everyone and met Jason Lamar and 
all these guys and all these people. And then just over the years of just me going, I don't have money. <laughs> I'm not going home. Yeah. So I started, I started working on the door as a bouncer in LA. And then I started getting a couple, and then that guy I met started getting me conventions in London mm. because I needed to leave the States because my 90 day visiting visa was over. Yeah. So this guy would hook me up with these conventions all over the world. So I'd get another 90 days in the States. So every three months I would leave for a convention so I can come back and live in America. Yeah. And I did this for four and a half, five years before I got my visa. Wow. Shady uh -huh. April, but, but the thing was, I was like, I don't care. I'm going to make it happen. Yeah. My, one of my closest friends is like, it's not about making it to LA because anyone can come here. Anyone mm. can come here. Mm. But most people don't stay here. Yeah. Because either they can't handle it, they think it's going to happen in two years. Mm. They think they're just going to come here and be a movie star or be an artist or be a singer or actor. Like, it's just going to happen like that. Mm. Then they get at the real world, and it's like, Ooh. oh no, there's a system here. Yeah. So system. what? What was the big motivation for you to keep hustling and sort of? Did you have an end goal in sight that you were wanting to work towards, or what was it that kept you going? I just wanted, like, I, I never, it never. I think it maybe crossed my mind: should I go home? I think once, mm. once, bro. Yeah. Because when I got here, I was just like, nah, this is it. I'm doing it. Yeah. And in the first five years was to just survive. Mm. Like survive, like get yourself out there, start mingling, find the stunt people, find out how you're going to work. That was my motivation. How am I going to get into the industry here? contact some of the guys I worked with on Lord of the Rings that were here and just start, you know, and emailing. And, and this was the emailing when there was no computers, so you had to go to an internet store. Remember the old internet stores? And the thing like, <laughs> oh my gosh. So it was back in those days. So um, we had to go and check, you know, basically do that. But um, being in LA was was just... It was just to basically try and hustle and meet people like these guys who I was going to, who, was, who were going to give me a chance. But then I had to get my social security stuff and get that because I couldn't work otherwise. So yeah. the first job I worked was actually in the Caribbean, which was on Pirates. Mm. But when I worked on Pirates of the Caribbean 2, I literally worked with about 80 stunt people, yeah. men and women. And they were pretty much the best of the best in the game. So I got to like meet everyone in one spot. And I was like, oh, look at these guys. Ultimately, experience. Yeah. So I basically got through and, you know, thrown right in it with all the people. And they were like, dude, who are these New Zealanders? Because I was there with Andy, the guy that got me in. Yeah. In Lord of the Rings, the Samoan guy, and a couple other uh, Kiwis. So, and, and, and Americans had never met the work ethic of us and mm. never met the humility of Islanders and how nice we are and how funny we are and how easily we can get along in any situation mm. and still make it funny. Like that's definitely um, one marketable trait of a Kiwi and a Polly as well is that we just work hard, 
head down, ass up, and then work hard, play hard. When it's time to work, yeah. it's done, but still do it with a smile on our face and happily. Yeah, yeah and, that's, and, and that's what's been like so huge is that having that mentality and just going hard every day is like, oh, well, I got one now. Oh, I'm in. Yeah. And then that made me want to go, okay, what the hell's next? All these guys got to hit up, got to hang out with these guys, got to hang out with these guys, got to hang out with these guys. So a couple, <laughs> of, guys, a couple of guys I met with on, on, on Pirates basically is one of my best friends now that I've known since that day. Mm. And, uh, you know, we've worked on numerous movies, and t- you know, mm. over the years and TV shows and all sorts of commercials. But, like, it took that one show to meet the people that I was going to work with for the next 20 years. That's crazy. And so meeting them, then like, oh, you work with Rob Alonso? Oh, oof. he works with everyone. So well, why don't you come work with us? What do you, you know? And my name started to get around. And yeah. the issue was, was when I first came into stunts, I wanted to do stunts and acting. Mm. And they were like, no, you can't. You can't do stunts and acting. You have to choose. And I was like, who said that? Yeah. There's only two people in this world who tell me what to do. And now three. My yeah. mom and my dad and now my fiance. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. No one tells me what to do. Nobody. Yeah. And half of the, the stunt industry hated me. They were like, oh, he thinks he's an actor. He's, he's, no, he's no stunt man. Yeah. And then the other half were like, who cares? And, but the other half started to hire me and they started to see how my work ethic was and how I work on set and how I like, everyone loves me and this is fun atmosphere. I'm just a fun clown to work with. Yeah. I, I, I make people laugh all the time because I like to have fun on set. I'm like, let's have some fun. If we're not having fun making a movie, it's only a movie. Exactly. It's not, we're not saving kids in Rwanda. It's like, <laughs> you know, it's just not that big a deal. So yeah. let's just have fun, listen to music, and like have fun what we're doing. Mm. And so I think that plus my work ethic plus everything else, my hustle is a winning combination for anyone's, you know, anyone's stories. Because I'm like, oh, I'll help you do anything. I'll be real and I'll be honest. Yeah, that's, that's what Kiwis are. We we don't know how to lie because we'll be like, hey, you're a nice guy. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. So, like, I can't lie, bro. Not in my, my face can't lie. Yeah, yeah. My, my words will say something, but the face will tell you the opposite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah pretty much yeah. there. So, um, so, anybody who obviously just IMDBs you or knows you will know that you've been on so many movies, and to anybody from the outside looking in, that might define success to them. But for you, what what is the definition of success and also for you personally how far on that journey are you are you already at the end point or are you still going so so what people what, what i believe people don't really understand about success right i've already achieved i've already achieved it mm-hmm. like and every day i get up and i learn something new i keep achieving yeah right I achieve, I succeed because I'm like, I learned something new. I succeeded today, right? And like when I get that job, when I hustled and I basically got on that first Pirates of the Groom job, I was like, damn, that's how I did it. Cool. Okay, fine. How do I get the next one? You know, 
because that was a success. I got a job. I made a movie. It's Pirates of the Caribbean. I worked with everyone. Johnny Depp, freaking Kira Knightley, Orlando Bloom, all these people. And I'm like, that's a success. Mm. That, to me, and everyone else should be a success. It doesn't matter the level because mm. you can keep achieving succeed, you know, success. It's just a matter of what level you want to go to. Yeah. Because people here, you can make eighty to $150,000 a year on Young and the Restless. That's succeeding. Yeah. And if you don't want to go any further than that, then you're going to make $180,000 a year, which is a lot of money. That's yeah. success. Right? To yeah. me. But people think like success is the big, big, big goal. Right, mm. I keep succeeding because every day I want to do more acting. I want to get more, like more lines, and get more characters where I can dig deep. Because I've made a career off of being villains and being a bad guy, which is great. Mm. I love it. I'll never turn it down. But that's not all who I am. Yeah. So a lot of the stuff I've done recently are stuff where I'm not beating anyone up, where I'm just just talking. We're talking about real relationships and humanity with mm. partnerships every day like the relationship is with you and your your body you and your mind you and your friends you and the work colleague you and your shoes you and your clothes you know mm. relationships are very important to understand and then succeeding is just like okay my next my, my next succeeding goal for me is to book a movie where i play a really cool character that that i can dig deep into Mm. that has great dialogue like that's the next success for me every time i get a new job it's just slowly getting better like i'm doing voiceover stuff now i'm doing mm. game i'm doing um commercials i'm doing self-tape i'm auditioning i'm going in i got a call back tomorrow i you know i auditioned today for the producers like it's getting it like every day i'm succeeding because i'm learning i'm getting in front of new people i'm like i i, I, I it, freaking achieves with 20 guys on the MTV Movie Awards. Like, I keep achieving. That's yeah. pretty big. But if that's where we are now, we can keep going. Yeah. That's so, awesome. So, success isn't a destination. It's a, it's a passion and it's a hustle. It's ongoing. Because, like, me succeeding is taking everyone else with me. Yeah. Like The Rock says, I, what's the point of me hanging out up there by myself if I can't take my friends and whoever wants to work hard with me? Mm. yeah and that's that's kind of i guess a message that i want to let people know from you know listening to this podcast is that success isn't a destination once you get to that goal that you've set don't stop keep going keep hustling no improving. As, as a human we think that we get to a point where we're like oh man i've learned everything i need to know and it's like yeah. uh knackers you can keep going like yeah. that's just where you've got to now imagine mm. where you can be in 10 5 years time like mm. you can be on the mountaintop with everyone else lifting them to go yo let's see how many more how much more people we can get up here mm. and build a bigger platform so we can get more people exactly you know because at the end of the day it's like what's the point you know what's the point if i can't like if someone is at a level right here and i bring you up here i'm like look how easy that was Let's get everyone else up there. Well, yeah. all there, 
well, now imagine what we could do if we could take this around the world. Mm. That's powerful. You know what I mean? It's like, well, then we can, because of social media, because of Facebook and all these things, we can reach the world. Mm. Yeah. And we can get there by saying mental health is a real thing. Let's talk about it. Let's lift each other. Let's bring each other up. Let's yeah. be nice to each other. Yeah. Let's go, okay to have a problem because we all have problems. We all don't have things we like. Yeah. We don't like. But to put yourself in the deep end of like, oh, I'm scared here. Well, that's where you need to be to learn and grow. Yeah. You've got to, you've got to make yourself vulnerable to grow and to have people reach out to you as well. No one grew being comfortable. No. And you'll also probably never meet someone who hasn't encountered problems and felt some sort of, you know, mental health, like depression or down on themselves. Yeah. So if you tell somebody that you're not feeling okay, pretty sure that they're okay. the same way and it's okay. It's okay. How can I make you feel better? Or what would, how can I, what can I do to, to help you? Yeah, totally. Like, because I don't want you to be there. I'd rather you be where I am. So if I can help you, what is it? So I make you laugh or what is it like? I mean, me and my friend Mana, Mana Davis, and you know, we used to do stupid stuff like pull our pants down just to make people laugh. Yeah. Because they were having a shitty day. Yeah. And it's like, well, if it takes something stupid like that to make someone laugh who's having a bad day, well then my job is done today. Yeah, small acts can have a, a big impact. So you well, gotta what other people are going through. Yeah, exactly. You can't just say, oh bro, get over it. Yeah. Oh, harden up, bro. It's like I, you can't just harden up like that. No, like, it's not. It's not healthy. It's not how the brain works. Mm. You need to talk it through and make it feel good and go, oh, okay, that's the reason why I did that. And that's why I feel this way. And that's why I got a little bit anxious when you asked me that question because it mm. touched the real subject that was really deep, you know? Yeah. And, and when we can have people feel comfortable about opening up, then we can get the best out of them. If we exactly. yell at them, if we yell at them, then nothing's good. Nothing good's gonna come from it. Why would you do it like that? Yeah. Instead of, hey, you know, the next time, try doing it. Instead of starting on your right foot, start on your left foot. It'll make the next step easier for you to receive that. And they'll be like, oh, cool, I'll try that. And then they got it, and it's done, and it's finished. Instead mm -hmm. of like, oh, why'd you do that? Don't do that, egg. Do it properly. You're not informing them how to do it. You're just making fun of them and you're making yeah. them feel bad. Yeah. It's not, not doesn't, it doesn't reflect on positive actions. Mm. So that's why it's like everyone is going through a hard time, but how do we lift them up? Mm. You know, how do we get them out of the funk and get them into their groove of being in the vortex of everything being great and everything's just fitting perfectly and like, Oh, I just pulled up in this park right there, pulled out and it's amazing. Thank you, St. Anthony. <laughs> Living with the attitude of gratitude is like, oh my gosh, it's sunny every day. Maybe I should go outside and do something. Yeah, exactly. You know, changing your mind and understanding like, okay, what makes me feel good? And if that person made fun of me, then I'm not going to hang out with that person again. Except mm -hmm. for the other person was like, hey, you're really cool. And it was a stranger. I'm going to hang out with them. 
Mm. It's like, funny that you just kind of touched on gratitude because I just, the podcast I previously uploaded was about gratitude because it's something that I kind of got into about a year and a half ago. And I mean, if you just kind of, you know, incorporate gratitude into your daily routine, it's crazy. Even, even if you just wake up and say, today, I'm going to live an attitude of gratitude. I'm going to be thankful for everything. You can't be mad. Yeah. You can't be mad. Like, you're like, oh, I can't because I got a roof over my head. I got food in the fridge. I got water. Um, you know, I've got 30 days to pay my rent. Yeah, it's too true. There's always somebody who may not have it as good as you, and they may yeah. be grateful. So for you to be angry, being having more than someone who doesn't, and they're grateful, you're... If, if, that, if that's happening, that means you're reflecting. Yeah. And you got to check yourself. Look inside, bro. It's like, yeah. why are they making me so mad? I'm like, oh, because you used to do that? <laughs> it's, you know? It's like, oh, because I do that. And that's why I'm getting mad. Hmm. Interesting. You know? So, like, if we can just, just be nice to each other and go, oh, bro, are you all right? Oh, oh, I got you, bro. I'll just, you know, if we can be more nice and helpful and just be like, just have humility to mm -hmm. ask someone, can I help you? Are yeah. you okay? Yeah, you that know? could completely change somebody's day, which is, you know. Yeah, instead of saying, oh, what's wrong with you, eh? Yeah. <laughs> so, quick question. Yeah, bro. Would the sort of path that you've taken to get to where you are, you know, some might say it's a little bit old school and that's just a reflection of society and like the availability of social media and everything. But let's say somebody from New Zealand wanted to take your path. They probably wouldn't have to hustle as hard as you, right? Go through all the back channel alleys, potentially. Um, what sort of advice could you give to somebody who was thinking about following in the steps of Salah Baker? I got heaps, man. So, so I kind of figured out the way you can basically navigate your way through Los Angeles and anywhere in the industry by yep. yourself with, with a cell phone and some friends. Yeah. Basically, the way to do it is everyone's got a smartphone that shoots 4K or 1080, right? Mm -hmm. uh, this is what I tell everyone here who asks me, how do I be you? What do I do? And what if I don't have the money? I'm like, got you right here, cousin. Yeah. So all I tell them to do is Go and pick your favorite scenes in your movies, right? One, your favorite scenes, Boys in the Hood, like anything, t Training Day, whatever, whatever it is, freaking Spartacus. Yeah. Michael Douglas. <laughs> Basically, copy that scene, get a friend, whoever friends want to act with you, and go, okay, you be Spartacus, I'll be this, I'm gonna cap, I'm gonna copy the same angles, we're gonna wear the same costumes, you're gonna say the same dialogue, because you can learn it easily, and then you just put your little funk on it, and you shoot versions of it, mm -hmm. and you go, oh, this is, we're reenacting um, Goodfellas, we're reenacting um, uh, Casablanca, and then, so what you do is you basically, you start posting on Instagram, or on your YouTube channel, you put a little bit on your second, like a one minute on your on your Instagram, and you have a YouTube channel where you have all your full length, five second, five ten minute shorts, one minute, however, whatever it is, mm. and then 
once you basically copy all their angles, everything bit by bit, you can get a cheap tripod like I've got, I'm using right now for 10 bucks on Amazon, maybe 20 or it came out, came out. And you basically set up the same shots and you put it on your Insta and that's how you show people how you start acting. Now, phase two is then when, you when you've got fun and had fun and shooting all these different, and you've got 10 or 10 two minute scenes in your bag on YouTube. Now, what you do is you get with those three friends again and then you start brainstorming on your own ideas. Yeah. We're gonna write a three page, three minute short film. It's three pages, one minute a page. Mm. We're gonna sit here and write three characters. What happens? Where do they go? And where do they end? Mm. Basically make a short film in three minutes. And then you start playing with the angles of what your favorite angles are in movies of the scenes that you're shooting. So then, and all the all all those scenes you want are on YouTube. It's free. Yeah. Google free. Yeah. Instagram free. And or so free. And you bought a ten dollar uh, tripod. Yeah. And so with these things there, you should be able to have content. You should be able to shoot your own little headshots, some cool photos, you know, set yourself up some photos and just take some cool, like I do, because I'm a selfie master. Yeah. As you've I've seen them. <laughs> I literally just put my phone down on the ground facing me, press record video, and then I'll go up to a cool mural and make a cool pose and then screenshot it. Yeah. Boom. And so you're your own photographer. Yeah. Because most phones can do selfie focus and do all these kind of cool and you know, in focus, out of focus thing. Yeah. And you can create your whole persona. And we didn't have this back in the day. So exactly. Yeah. Now that you go and shoot your favorite films, scenes. And then go, oh, check me out in Goodfellas, bro. This is the island version. You know, and you start doing comedies and you start playing with what you want to do in it. Then you start shooting horrors. And all of a sudden, you're an actor, filmmaker, producer, writer, and look at you now. Knowledge bombs, mind blowing. You've done more than you, you intended. You wanted to be an actor, but you've just produced and well, that's why I say is like don't think small think the whole picture so you can mm -hmm. see everything because we all know how to take a good picture and what it look like we know we know what looks good in a frame yeah so same thing with the movie and everything else pick a um, cool frame get some people and shoot some fun stuff and keep playing because it's free and you only get better. And even New Zealand, they have these 48 hour film festivals. Where you yeah, yeah they've got hours for the community. Yeah, shoot yeah. it. And then you just get with your mates and every Saturday night you do a screening of your shorts. Yeah, amazing. You know, and, 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 and it's all, you know, 10 bucks for the, for the tripod. Mm. Or, or maybe spend a hundred bucks on a tripod and a good mic so you can mm. get some good sound. Yeah, exactly. So for my podcast, I think I got like a $50 lapel mic that I can um, plug into my phone for when I do personal yeah. interviews. And that's all I've had to pay for, for, for the interview. I just got um, this. Yeah, I've got a Movo. I got one of those. Yeah. 
It's, I just, the, the I just got that. Unreal. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, it's just something like that. Simple with a tripod, with, yeah. a, with a smartphone. Oh, mate, you're making movies. You're making yeah. movies. You're an actor, filmmaker now. That's amazing. That's, uh, I think hopefully that knowledge can help some, some budding stunt people slash actors slash like directors, DPs, yeah. like wardrobe, like costume design, like everything. Like that's everything the cool thing about mine. thinking, thinking big is like, don't think I'm an actor. Just think I'm an actor that I like to see cool stuff and me and this and next to cool, you know, mm. line, cool depth perception and like, you know, so that, 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 with that, you can do so much, mm. you know, and just, it's, it's the key to success for me. Put time into your craft mm. and what you love every day, because it's going to pay you back. The universe will pay you back for yeah. all the time you're putting in. But if you only put 10% in, the universe is only giving you 10% back. Yeah, it's definitely what you put in. You put in, you get back what you put in, and that is like valuable. People need to know. Like you said, people think they can move to LA and be an actor in two weeks, two years. No, no, no. You've been there for so long, and you've you've grafted and you've you've struggled and hustled. And I mean, you're a product of your energy, man. What what you've put in, and it's amazing. I mean, look, I mean, look at look at look at Cliff Curtis. He came here and lived here for a couple of years, but he didn't like it. Mm. You know. But he's still gonna work, but it's like it's not everyone's cup of tea over here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But if you can have an open mind to it, mm. you can succeed in the biggest industry in LA, not just New Zealand. You can succeed ten times here. Yeah. You just gotta be open to it. Yeah. You know? And we just gotta squeeze that whole tall poppy thing and be loving more to each other as a community mm. so that we can lift each other up instead of making each other feel bad and not worthy of the position that I'm in. Because mm. every single person there I know is worthy. They just get, someone else just puts their thumb on their face and is like, nah, bro, you're just a butcher. Shut up. Mm. So before we kind of wrap things up, is there any, anything at all that you'd like to share, share or say, and it can be about anything? before we wrap up, you know, this is, you've taken the time to chat to me. So any messages you want to put out there, be happy to, uh, to take those on board. Um, the, the message really is to go back on the old, um, the love train. Um, yeah. we, we really, we really, really need to dig deep in, in looking into ourselves and knowing that we are worthy of the highest dreams that we can imagine. Mm. The highest dreams that we can imagine. Because we are worthy of it, we can do it. We just have to believe in ourselves. Because I guarantee you this, there will be, there will be people along the way that don't believe in you. Mm. There will be. But your job is to say, thank you very much. I appreciate your help. Have a nice day. Because all they're doing is putting their stuff on you. Mm. And you're like, oh, sorry, that doesn't serve me. I think I should go this way because my heart's feeling good of me going this way. 
instead of reacting to what you're saying. Mm. Because I know I, I have a place to go. But believe in ourselves as, as people and as, as humans that we can achieve anything. Mm. But just know it's going to be hard on each level because it lets you know okay, cool, I've got that level, now I'm going to go to the next level. That's why I talk about successes. It's like, okay, cool. Now when you go to the next level, it gets harder because you're leveling up. Mm. It never gets easier. It gets harder because you're going higher in the chain mm. and you start learning more. And that's why I say to never stop succeeding mm. because you keep learning and you can keep growing and keep inspiring people to be better and to go, you can do it too. Scarlett mm. Baker only did it because I never stopped. Mm. And I didn't take no for an answer. Even though I only made 14, I only made 14% of auditions. Mm. I booked 14% of auditions when I only went out for 30. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't go in for very many um, auditions. I just booked a lot of them. Yeah, because I had a look, I had a feeling about me. People were like, wait, who is this? I don't know who he is, but he's got something. Mm. And so I believe everyone has that little thing. We've just gotten away from it. Mm. We've just lost ourselves a little bit and gotten into the, oh, well, no, I can't. Oh, no, I can't. Oh, no, I can't. Oh, no, not me. Not me. I can't. It's like, no, you can. Yeah, you can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can. I can help you get there. Yeah. Just you got trust in me, trusting in you. Mm. And that's my thing is like, anyone can do me. Mm. The key to that is never stopping. Mm. That's like, that's the be on end all. Like, yeah. can stop, won't stop. Mm. And, and, awesome. and I guarantee you in 20 years time, you could be doing all the things that I'm doing. Yeah. Or more. Yeah. Because of how, which way you, you take it. Yeah. Like, that's the thing. It's like, my way is not the right way for everyone. That was just my, the way I did it to get here. It's not the right way. There is no right way as long as you get there. It's a way. It's just a way. It's just my way. Yeah. You know? So... Anyone can get there. Just believe in yourself and go for it and never give up. That's my thing because, mm -hmm. I mean, I feel like I've done a lot, but I feel like I, I, I've got, this is the beginning. Mm. This is the beginning. Mm. You know? So I just want to thank you, bro, for even um, reaching out to me. And, and I love you, bro. Fuck, we used to have a good time up in there. Uh, up in, um, was it Boston or Chicago? It was uh, Boston, yeah. Yeah, it was Boston. Yeah, that, yeah. What yeah. movie were you filming there? Tanoi was there for Central Intelligence. And yeah, me too. Up. Yeah, for that one as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and no. So, yeah, no. Bro, it was, it was, time, it was bro. so good to meet you, bro. Yeah, no, it was awesome. That was, that was a good day too. Awesome weather. And um, I, I just appreciate this. And, and um, my lady's been trying to get me to do more of these so people can see, you know, people can understand that, that anyone can do it, you know. Yeah. It is attainable and it is achievable by anyone as long as you just just like do go through those steps that I said, you can get there. You know, yeah. just put in put time into you and your future. That's all it is, you know. 
And I was talking to one of the bros in Boston and the reason why I just kind of went ahead with the podcast idea, he, he recently started doing it. He's, he's in the fitness industry there. And he, he said to me, he goes, man, don't wait for perfect. If you wait for perfect, you'll never start. So I was like, you know what? I'm not going to wait. I'm just going to do a podcast, reach out to people. If they say yes, cool. If they say no, cool. I'll find other people. You know, I feel like I've been blessed and lucky enough to meet so many successful people in different stages of success in, in my life in the past five or 10 years that reach out to them and let them know, you know, if they share their story, they can positively impact and motivate other people who may see a similar path. So yeah, definitely yeah. appreciate the time, man. I know it's a little bit late for you, but yeah, definitely. Oh, nine o'clock. So I'm going to make some dinner with my lady. But, yeah. Um, yeah, bro. Thank you. Thank you so much for this. And, uh, Spread the word, spread the word, bro, because yeah. it really is a, is a really important message to our people to just um, take care of each other. Yeah, absolutely. One love, got to spread that love and gratitude. And yeah, we just need a lot of it sprinkled around uh, Aotearoa at the moment. Yeah, bro, absolutely. All right. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. One love. Awesome. Take care. Yeah, bro, we'll talk soon. Stay yeah, in yeah. touch. Yep. But, oh. I might be coming home in like September for my dad's unveiling. So, oh, okay. I might be home anyway, but I'll I'll, I'll sit, hit you a message on WhatsApp anyway if I, when I come. Yeah, yeah. I'm up in Auckland, so just let me know. Fly in or have some time up here. Yeah, bro. All good. Peace, brother. I love you, bro. Yeah. Cheers.